The following message was given at Emanuel Baptist Church, Coconut Creek, Florida. Join me, we're going to be in John chapter 15. John 15. Now, if you've ever worked in an office environment, you are likely familiar with the department, uh, the reputation of the IT department. That is the information technology department. In other words, despite their protests that they do far more than this, we're talking about the men and women who keep your computers and your printers and the internet working in the office. You call these people when you can't figure out how to do something on your computer when something seems broken. And the general reputation, I know there's some of you here, I'm not casting stones, but the general reputation is that these people are often quite annoyed by most of the requests they receive because it's usually for basic tasks and easy fixes. However, to be fair to our IT friends, Sometimes their frustration is understandable. This week I looked on a Reddit forum on IT people sharing their stories, and the more I read, the more I understood this very rare breed of human. In one story, a man wrote this. Mark called me from his desk saying, can you look at my printer? It stopped working. Sure, the IT guy said, I will check it out. He sat at Mark's computer, checked the settings, everything looked good. He disconnected the printer cable, reconnected it, still wouldn't print. He restarted the computer, still wouldn't print. He changed out the printer cable with a new one, still wouldn't print. And then, when all else failed, he decided to do what he admitted he should have done in the first place. He looked under the desk and realized the printer was unplugged. Mark said, I didn't think I was supposed to use all the outlets in my power strips, so I usually leave something unplugged. I guess I forgot. Sorry. Oops. Now here's a good rule of thumb. If something plugs into the wall and it isn't working, make sure it's plugged in. It could save you a lot of time, perhaps even some money, before you go tinkering with everything else, looking at the settings, changing out the cords, restarting, calling in someone to help. The first and and most important fundamental reality is that you must be plugged in. It needs a source of power. And without that source, it is of no use. Now, of course, there is a spiritual lesson here as we consider the words of Jesus in John 15. You're familiar with the passage, and it is a truth that never should be far from the front of our minds. We need a specific source for true spiritual power. We must remain plugged in. So we're going to read John 15, beginning in verse 4. The Lord Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, He is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, 
and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Amen. Well, in verse 4, we read Jesus' words. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you abide in me. Now, one of the things that we see in the commands of Jesus throughout the Gospels is that he isn't after a one-time commitment in our lives or a single experience that we can point to and say, I did it, so now I can move on. Jesus is after our entire person the entirety of our hearts and our thoughts and our actions throughout our entire lives, everything about us forever. Now there's something mysterious, or excuse me, there's nothing mysterious about what Jesus says here. Abide simply means to stay or to continue. So Jesus is saying, stay with me or continue with me. In other words, don't go your own way. Don't follow other philosophies or ideologies or religious practices and principles. Stay with me. Have intimate communion with me. Abide in me. And to illustrate this point, Jesus compares himself to the vine and us to the branches. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Now Jesus was a master of these word pictures, and here he gives this very vivid illustration of what he means when he says to abide in him. The main point of what he's saying is to emphasize the importance and the power of our bearing fruit. The power to live a fruitful life is not to try harder, to do better, or to do more, but to commune with him, to abide in him. Said another way, the power to bear fruit comes from Jesus when we stay vitally connected to Jesus like a branch connected to the vine. What's the alternative to that? Jesus tells us at the end of verse 5 and into verse 6, apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. But what does Jesus mean when he says, apart from me, you can do nothing? That seems like a rather grandiose statement, doesn't it? Nothing at all? What does he mean? His point is that without abiding in him, we will not do anything that is of any real spiritual benefit, that is is God-glorifying, and that is life-giving. And he tells us right there in verses 7 through 11. Look again, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So that is your spiritual benefit. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. He goes on, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And so this is for the glory of God. We're abiding in him for our spiritual benefit, for the glory of God. And finally he says, as the Father has loved me, 
so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And so you see this is also life-giving. It's for our spiritual benefit. It is God-glorifying and it is life-giving. But we have to understand this rightly. It could easily be read. This entire section could easily be read and we could conclude, in order for me to receive spiritual benefit and to glorify God and to receive the life-giving benefits of Christ, I just need to follow his commandments and I just need to bear fruit. But that turns what Jesus says on its head. That undermines the essence of the gospel. Abiding in Christ is not through law-keeping and fruit-bearing. The branches don't just bear fruit. You don't have a branch with fruit without a vine. What do we need? We need that vine. The vine is where the life is, and without the vine, the branches serve no purpose. So before we ever think of commandment keeping and fruit bearing, we must abide in Christ. And if we abide in Christ, we will keep his commandments and we will bear fruit. We can also think of it this way. If I am not keeping the commandments and I am not bearing fruit, that can only mean one thing. I'm not abiding in Christ. Perhaps it's repetitive, but I want to be very clear here. We bear fruit if and only if we are abiding in Christ. So the next logical question is, how do I abide in Christ? And there are two things Jesus mentions here in the text. The first is in verse 7. If my words abide in you, and second is in verse 9, abide in my love. So to abide in Jesus means to abide in the truthfulness and the promises of God in his word, the truthfulness and the trustworthiness of the gospel, and the certainty of his love for his people, his love for you if you are in Christ. To not abide in Christ then means to not believe his word, to not believe the gospel, to not believe that you are actually loved by him. The reality of life in a fallen world is that we will face many challenges, many dangers, toils, and snares. And if we're not abiding in Christ, we will assume that maybe he has abandoned us or that we aren't actually truly loved like we actually are. As Christians, we must believe minute by minute that we are truly loved by Christ. And how do we know? We know because of the promises of his word, because of the promises of the gospel, because he lived a perfect life in our place. He died to take the penalty of sin in our place because he was raised from the dead to conquer sin and death for us, that if we abide in him, we will never taste eternal death, but will always and only know eternal life. Jesus confirms this in John chapter 8. He said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So the freedom that we have to Uh, when we abide in Christ, is a freedom from sin. Freedom from that which leads to death. So we can say that if we abide in Jesus' word, the truth will set us free from sin and death. 
Living a life free from sin comes from abiding in Jesus' word, keeping the commandments of Jesus as a result of abiding in his word. It is the fruit that comes from abiding in Christ. To put it all together, we can say that abiding in Jesus is abiding in his word and his love, trusting that he is loving us at every moment and everything that we have revealed to us in his word about his life and his death on our behalf is for us and that our everlasting future with him is true. And that as we abide with him, we will bear good, good fruit that glorifies God and is for the good of our neighbor. We have to have the order right. We cannot put our sanctification before our justification. We cannot say that my good works are what bring me into communion with God. I must commune first with God. I must first abide in Christ that I will bear good fruit that will be useful for the purposes God intends. And again, all of this being said, it would be really easy to slip into that works mentality. I need to work hard at believing God's word. He said, abide in my word, so I just need to try harder to abide in his word. I need to work hard to believe that Jesus loves me. Yes, we are commanded to abide in Christ and to abide in his word and to abide in his love. And we are responsible for doing just that. But does it just happen through our white-knuckled efforts? No. Jesus will keep us. He will never leave us or forsake us. Now, truly, there is no way to abide as the branch without the vine. He gives us this wonderful promise in John chapter 10. He said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And Jesus prayed for us as as his children to the Father in John 17. He prayed, Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me. While I was with them, I kept them in your name. And not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scriptures might be fulfilled. So you see, it's not our work that make us useful. It's not our efforts that bring true, God-glorifying, joy-filled results in Christ. It's the Father. Apart from the vine, we cannot have any good fruit, and we will simply be chopped down and discarded. We need Christ, and it is Christ who keeps us. That doesn't mean we just sit back and hope it will all happen, it doesn't mean that we don't have anything to do at all, but it means that we trust that what we do and how we do it and our ability to do it, it comes as a result of abiding in Christ, abiding in his word, abiding in his love. It's able to happen because he's keeping us and no one can snatch us out of his hand. To abide in Christ is to abide in the one that keeps us trusting in and loving him. And so today, as we gather together to come to the Lord's Supper table, we come to celebrate the one who lived, the one who died, and the one who is resurrected so that we can abide in him. And as we abide in him, 
we receive the means of grace that he has provided, that we will have all the more usefulness in our spiritual lives, that we will benefit from the blessing of communing with Christ and with the church, that we will live lives glorifying unto God, and in it all that our joy will be filled up in him. And so that is what we come to the Lord's Supper table today in order to receive. So what we're going to do, we're going to pray, we're going to sing, and then we will receive the Lord's Supper together. So let's pray. Lord, may it be that we as your people might more faithfully abide in Christ. Lord, thank you for all the means that you have appointed that we are able to abide in Christ. Thank you, Lord, for keeping us in Christ. And I pray, Lord, that as your branches, that the vine would overtake the branches and that it would bear much fruit. That is for our spiritual good, that is for your glory, that the joy of your people might be filled up in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, as we prepare our hearts to come to the Lord's Supper table today, may it be of great spiritual benefit to each and every one of us. May it strengthen and nourish our souls. May we know the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. And may we be faithful disciples, joyfully walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, without whom we can truly do nothing. And so we ask you do all of this in the powerful and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. We hope you were edified by this message. For additional sermons, as well as information on giving to the ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church and on our current building project, you can visit us online at ebcfl.org. That's ebcfl.org.